Welcome to Locking Your Success. We are the company that creates strategies to build wealth. If you would like to view the charts and graphs referenced in this podcast, please visit our blog at LockingYourSuccess.com for a video replay of the live webinar. Before we get started, we need to go over our disclosures. Locking Your Success LLC is not a broker dealer or financial advisor. This presentation is for educational purposes only. This information is not an offer to buy, sell, or hold securities. You shall be fully responsible for any investment decision you make, and such decisions will be based solely on your evaluation of your financial circumstances, investment objectives, risk tolerance, and liquidity needs. Please visit CBOE.com to find and review the options risk disclaimer prior to placing any trades. Also, please note that these are real-time but hypothetical computer simulated trades and results. The trades are believed to be as accurately presented as possible, however, they are not guaranteed as to accuracy and therefore live results may vary. No representation is being made that any portfolio will or is likely to achieve profits or losses similar to those shown. Whew! Now that that's over, let's get to it. Here is your host, John Locke. Welcome to Successful Trader of the Month, and this is actually for April 2016. Before we get going, we would like to remind you that this presentation is for educational purposes only. We're not broker-dealers or financial advisors, and we're not making any trade recommendations. Also, please be aware that the risk in trading options is substantial, and make sure you are aware of all your risks prior to placing trades. We might show live trades, we might show hypothetical trades today, but please assume they're hypothetical unless otherwise stated. And also note that hypothetical trades are believed to be as accurately represented as possible. However, live results may vary. So just a quick talk about Successful Trader of the Month program. It's uh, something that Sherry and I came up with to reward and honor those traders who've put in the work and as a result are doing awesome with trading. They receive the prestigious Lock in Your Success Successful Options Trader hat and receive an entry and uh, other goodies. Successful Trader of the Month is also for you, the aspiring trader, because by having those successful traders share their experience with you, you can gain useful insight and become inspired by knowing that it can be done and that there are many, many different paths in order to do so. So a successful trader can qualify for successful trader of the month in several ways. First is to provide a trading plan and recent trade that we evaluate. Second would be to stand out by helping the community, maybe through sharing some useful information, providing guidance and encouragement to others in our community. Third might be if we notice someone who break, breaks through, makes a significant breakthrough, and, uh, and is just doing really well. And fourth if, is for creativeness. We like people who are creative and adapt things to their own personality and styles. So the theme today is, the question that I'm, I'm asking is, why is it that some people become successful at trading relatively quickly while others struggle for years to make progress. And this is a, an interesting question for me because I started trading back in 2005 or 2006 down in that time frame. And at the time I, I met a lot of very smart people who had a lot more trading knowledge than I did in different trading groups and through different training companies. And I still get calls from them today and they're basically doing the same thing. They know probably a lot more about options in it than I do, and they've just continued to struggle, continue to try this trade, try that trade, do this, do that, and they're just not making any progress. So why is it that that happens? Well, today we have Travis Wood on the line, and Travis is somebody who uh, hopefully can help us answer that question. He's someone who 
basically had no options experience a little over a year ago, and he came to our program. He was mentored by David Thomas, our mentor, and he's just doing fantastic. So we're going to be, we're talking with him today. Welcome, Travis. Hello, John. How are you? I'm awesome. How are you? Outstanding. Fantastic. So tell us uh, a little bit about yourself and how and your your background with options and what you're doing and and how you think of the process is coming along here. Sure. Um, yeah. Well, thanks a lot for having me. It's kind of an honor, especially I, I wanted to really say thanks to you and Dave and also to the other people I've given these presentations. These have been really helpful for me as a new trader to, to see how other people think about these trades and the markets in general. Um, unlike most people that have given these presentations, um, I grew up with zero interest in the markets. Uh, I could not have had any less, any less interest in stocks or anything. Um, I've always, always, my passion was always uh, flying airplanes and uh, that's pretty much was my goal. Is I wanted to be a professional airline pilot, and that's pretty much uh, what my focus was for most of my life uh, until about 2007. Um, I worked my way through some of the commuter airlines, and I got eventually in 2007. Um, I kind of hit my goal. I got to my current job where I was a pilot with uh, UPS, where I fly today. Uh, and about that time, though, I, I realized that you know I had always had this goal. And you know, for as long as I can remember this, and I finally reached that goal, and the question became, well, now what do I do? Uh, I, I kind of felt like I missed. I really enjoyed the stimulation of having a goal, a larger goal that I was working towards. And you know, Travis, that's a very interesting. We do a lot of personal development here, as you know, and people they they set these goal, lofty goals, and they they work for them, and and they finally get them, and then they're almost disappointed because now. Uh, they don't realize that the the excitement is actually in the pursuit of the goal, and that's not necessarily in the goal itself. That I could not agree more. And I mean, it was it was you know it was a great feeling of relief almost that okay I can stop you know the it was a, it's a it's a long process of you know I spent about nine years flying a couple different small little airlines making no money. I had a great time, um, and you know during those years uh, I didn't make much money, and what money what money I did make. I did my best to spend and use as, you know, in the most least useful ways possible. I mean, I, I had a great time, but you know, there was uh, uh, there was just no thought or towards my future or saving, and uh, I kind of come on 180. Uh, you know, shortly after I got my dream job, 2008 happened, and I went from having no interest in the markets to I was really confused. I didn't understand. I understood the basics of we had a little housing bubble and. But I was really, I wanted to learn more about why these things happen. Hey, Travis, not to interrupt, but I kind of like your other slide there with, it uh, looks like you had two other goals, pretty big goals too, right right next to you on your on your picture. Yeah, you know, I, I, I had, I, I joked with Sherry, I had to put uh, the hat on my little guy Luke, and that's my other son Davis uh, there with me, because uh, I, I've got a really large melon, and the, the hats just don't fit me very well, so, uh, but I figured they looked a little better anyway uh, on those guys than with me, so... Uh, can you uh, see my screen okay? Yes, looks awesome. Okay. Um, so yeah, so as uh, I was saying, 2008 happened, I'm confused. Uh, I wanted to get into more, a little deeper understanding of what was going on in the world. And so I spent several years learning everything I could about markets and you know what really happened in 2008. 
And that led me just through a whole process of learning just about things I knew nothing about. And I wanted to have better understand what was going on, but also I wanted with a mind, with an idea of, hey, once I understand the economy better, I'll be able to make smarter investing decisions with my money. And uh, it, after a couple of years, I I learned a lot, but I wasn't any closer to having a good idea of what to do with my money. It was the more I learned, the more confused I was. <laughs> and uh, you know, I I was kind of looking for that that some that you know that person that had, oh, I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to happen and. Uh, I quickly realized that's that's just not a realistic way to look at things. Um, but one thing I did, I, I put a couple of slides in here just to kind of show, just a couple of great slides that most people probably understand, but I just thought it would be a good way to demonstrate kind of how I view the market. And uh, this is my first slide, and this is the slide that is the reason why I can't just buy stocks and bonds and hold them like most financial advisors tell you to do. And this slide, I think, just is a great demonstration of this. Just the blue line is the total credit market debt outstanding, and the the red line is GDP of the United States. And this is not just a U.S. issue. This is true pretty much everywhere in the world. And I just don't think that that's a recipe for success when you have your debt growing faster than your income, so to speak. And so that was a concern to me. Now, having said that. Uh, you know, I, this is another great chart I like to look at, and this just is a, a chart of the Dow since 2009 uh, from a financial blogger that uh, I've read a little bit, and I just think it's it's great for a couple of reasons because it shows that yes, this is a centrally central bank driven market, uh, but it also shows that it doesn't matter why that's a bull market. Uh, so you know, I I, uh, I, I realize that yes. I think that uh, there are structural problems that concern me, but I think the best way to address that is just deal with what you can, control what you can, and don't worry about the things that are out of control. And uh, to me, this is a this chart is a great example of, you know, yes, there's reason to be cautious because this might not turn out well. However, you know, when the if something's uh, the market's in that kind of bull market, you you need to have a way to participate. And so that was a very good. Uh, you know, lesson, I guess, to see that that uh, unfold. And uh, this is another one, though, that uh, is another caution. That uh, here's a the, the Japanese Nikkei, which uh, peaked in '89, and here we are, 25 years later, and it's at about 16,000 today. This chart's a little dated. Um, and so this is another you know concern of mine that this you know this the opposite could also happen going forward. So. I love this quote I put up there too, and I, I think I remind myself this daily as I trade, and that's anything can happen, but nothing has to happen. Um, you know, I think it's just key to keep a really open mind. Um, so those are kind of just the, the that's the kind of things that I kind of came to look at uh, as I kind of did this fundamental view of the markets. Um, and I guess that I went from my my first thing I, I said, well, what can I do? And that was I'm going to start paying off my debts. Um, I had my wife uh, is a doctor and had a lot of medical school debt, and we had some card loans, and so we paid those off. And I quickly realized that um, I wasn't comfortable having someone else manage my money. And uh, I had a financial planner who kind of recognized some of my concerns, but he was very realistic. Uh, I found it's very hard to. There's a fine line between a lot of people just have a, the market goes up forever, and 
people on the other side tend to think that the apocalypse is coming tomorrow, and I was kind of somewhere in the middle where maybe we just have some, we may, we may have more difficult times than the, the bull market of the past, uh, you know, the 80s and 90s. And uh, so I decided if I was going to do that, it was up to me to make those decisions and, uh, and do that. So I got rid of the financial planner. I read everything I could find on just basic asset allocation and investment strategy. And I put these two books up there just because I'm a big reader and I thought these were, if anyone's interested in just more not trading, but from an investment standpoint, these were very helpful for me. And they allowed me to develop a strategy for my retirement accounts that is kind of uses momentum and relative strength among asset classes. And it'll it's you know, it's done well in both bull and bear markets and it's it's the big thing I liked about it was I was able to kind of develop a strategy that limits my risk. And that was what I was I just wanted to I didn't want to participate in a 50% drawdown that the S&P has seen several times recently. Um, so I did that process, and uh, finally, after you know, th at this point in my life, after years and years of making no money, we were now my wife and I's careers are we're doing well, and we had paid off all of our debt. Uh, the only thing we have left is a, is a very reasonable mortgage on a 15-year mortgage, and I said, what what do I do with the excess savings we have. And it was as I was pondering this, I had a kind of my watershed moment. Um, I was flying with a captain that I fly with that a lot of captains I, uh, that I fly with uh, are traders, so to speak. And I use that in quote, air quotes because a lot of people, they, they buy the dip. I mean, if, if Apple's or Netflix is down 10%, they're buying, they're buying it and because it always goes up. And I've never been, that's never been something that I would be comfortable with. I, I look at that as gambling. And right. I, I finally flew with a pilot that was truly a trader. Uh, very sharp guy, and he, we had a long layover, and we actually got together, and he showed me how he trades the market. He was a swing trader, and he used stocks and options, and I, I really, he explained the concept of having an edge, and it was really an eye-opening experience to me. Uh, and I decided that's something I wanted to do. And this was in 2014. And so I kind of asked myself, you know, okay, if I want to do this, I need to take a, a good look at, you know, what is available, you know, what kind of trading do I want to do, and what, what suits me. And uh, the initial thing that I really liked was trend following. Um, on multi-asset class, uh, I read Michael Covell's book on trend following, and I thought that is... What, what really I would like to do. And I started to think about it, though, and it really requires some, if you want to do it well, I think it requires a lot of systematic approach, a lot of, you know, writing your own code, and it was a lot of skills that I didn't think I had uh, that didn't suit me. And uh, so, but I did discover that, you know, there's, uh, if you're an accredited investor, there's a lot of firms out there that you can get exposure to this with. So I said, okay, that's, I can get it. I, I want to have exposure to this in my portfolio, but this doesn't necessarily be something that I have to do myself. So then I kind of looked at more of a maybe becoming a swing trader and was kind of going through the process of learning about different methods of swing trading. And that's about the first time I really kind of came across market neutral strategies with people talking about iron condors. Had no idea what that was. I mean, I just, I'm like, this must be some crazy thing. And I eventually saw a short article explaining it, and it just kind of blew me away. I was like, I had no idea such a thing existed. 
And uh, so this became really piqued my interest, and so I started kind of looking more into different option uh, option strategies, and I looked at a lot of different options education websites and services, and I read a bunch of books on uh, you know, different options uh, strategies, and about that time was when I came across uh, like the Capital Discussion website and John, uh, your website, and I saw some web, uh, some webinars that John had done on the M21 and the M3 and, so, and the systems that you use, and I thought it was a, a good fit for me because it was a style of trading I wanted to do, and it was a systematic approach. You know, it, it's not a fully automated, fully, you know, totally rules-based, but I, I liked the idea that there was guidelines to follow. I wanted some structure. And so um, I put on here just some slides. I some, some of the things that probably nothing earth-shattering to, to anyone here uh, watching this, but um, I really like the idea of trading the Russell versus having a setup that I look for and scanning socks every night for my setup because I just don't think I'm a really busy guy and I just don't think I have the time to do that every day. Um, and I, I said I can I can fit time to adjust my trades every day, but uh, it's much more flexible, it seems like, with the M3 style of trading. Um, I really like the fact that there was actually structured programs to go through and there was coaching available that uh, could kind of guide me through the process. Um, you know, John, you've talked about the trade alerts, why you don't do that, and I was totally on board of that before I started because as a pilot, I'm not around, you know, a lot of times I'm flying most of the day, and I'm, I'm, I'm not available to get, you know, if I land and I have seven text messages of what I should have done two hours ago, that doesn't really help me. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and so, and not only that, but it, I decided if I was going to put a, a sizable portion of my money into something that I was doing, I had to have the faith and the confidence that it was going to work. And that was not going to happen by taking directions from someone else. Mm. And so, and again, and I wanted something that was scalable so that I could actually build this up to a reasonable size in my portfolio. I can't do that trading penny stocks and things like that. Um, and, and, and finally, I, I really like the, the benefit of the tax treatment that you get of trading the Russell. Um, that's a, to me, that's a pretty big, pretty big uh, bonus on top of already what are some pretty impressive returns that you can get with the M3 uh, style of trading. Um, I put this quote, I'm not going to read the quote, but I just thought it was a great quote. It applies to my thought process on trading the M3 or any other you know, market middle trade, and also just as your portfolio in general. Um, you know, John, you talk a lot about no trade works every time the same, and uh, I agree, and so that's why I think it's really important. To, this is a great piece of my overall portfolio, but uh, there's going to be times like earlier this year uh, I was struggling with, with my trading. And, but I, did, I was okay because I had other things in my portfolio that were actually doing quite well. And so it, it made it a lot easier mentally to realize that, hey, you know what, this is just a very small piece of the pie. Don't, it made it much easier for me to not stress about it when I, when I sat back and thought of, this is not your whole, whole net worth riding on this M3 trade or this bearish butterfly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think it's very, very important for people to have some uh, a good perspective like that. Yeah, and so I, I really, uh, that's just kind of what drew me to this style of trading. Um, and so I, I kind of, I guess January of 2015 was when I really got serious about learning about options. 
and I spent the next three months reading everything I could find on options. And I got to the point uh, where I finally could hear someone say a bull put spread, and I had a basic, I had, a, I could understand what they meant without having to stop and look it up to the diagram of what that actually meant. And so it took me a long time to get to that point, but. Uh, finally, I, I just noted it was April 13th that uh, John and I had our first uh, intro conversation, and you, you were very kind. You didn't laugh at me as I told you several times. No, I've never traded anything in my life, and uh, uh, you recommended I talk to Dave, and I did. Um, Dave and I had a great conversation. Kind of, I explained to him that yes, I know nothing, but I I do see what you guys are doing, and I and I want to get to the point that I can do this as well. And uh, Dave was just couldn't have been any better if he was very encouraging, but also very honest that, look, this is, you have a lot of work in front of you, so. All right. I think we lost Travis. Uh, oh. prepared to, uh, and Travis, we, yeah, we've briefly lost you there for a minute. Yes. No. Oh, really? It just, just went off again. Sure. I think How it might be just a slow internet back? on your end. Seems like you're back now. Yep. Okay. Well, let me move positions a little bit just to make sure that maybe that will help. But, uh, uh, is this a little better now? Right now it seems okay. Okay, good. Uh, well, I'll continue. Let, let me know. But, uh, so anyway, uh, Dave you know, was very good on explaining you know, the work involved, and uh, I went ahead and got the M3 course and option view, and I spent hours and hours going through the course, and I would, uh, what was really helpful for me, too, was to go through a lot of your YouTube videos on some of the webinars you've given overviews of the M3 process, and mm -hmm. I watched those, I can't, I can't tell you how many times, and every time I would watch it, though, something else would stick out that it would start to click. And over many, many hours of doing this, I kind of started to understand the concept better of what I was trying to do. And I, I was kind of playing around with Option B at this time, and um, Dave and I had a couple sessions where I kind of, over you know, a couple sessions and a lot of uh, work on my own, I started to understand what, the, what I was truly trying to do with the M3. And... Uh, Dave kind of gave me my initial back testing assignment, which was initially was 2012 to 2015, trading it just totally by guidelines, 56 days, exiting at seven days to expiration. And uh, one thing I did was I traded, uh, I did an, I noted in my exit point at the point that I felt no longer comfortable with the trade, and another exit point at seven days to expiration. And uh, Dave and I kind of went over those results. He kind of helped me through some of the problem trades where I, you know, just wasn't sure what, you know, what I could have done better to, you know, deal with a certain situation. Mm -hmm. And so we did re review those kind of results. Uh, I mean, Dave had to set me help me set up my TOS platform. I didn't even have any idea of how to use TOS, um, so he helped me set that up. I kind of started practicing with uh, paper money accounts of trading some M3s in the paper money, and. Uh, while that process was going on, we kind of decided that uh, we were going to start. Uh, this is probably May of 15, and uh, we decided in June we were going to enter for an August expiration trade. Um, and in the meantime, I had time to go ahead and uh, do more back testing on kind of a 35 to 42 day to the expiration entry, because uh, 
kind of decided it probably would be best not to overlap trades, and I would just roll from one trade to the next. But you know, obviously, entering a little later than 56 days, it's going to be a different trade. So, uh, um, so there was a lot of back testing there, and that was a huge benefit to me, just because it gave me the repetition of seeing different market environments and seeing what can can happen under different volatility levels. And uh, we finally, Dave and I actually, on one of my sessions, uh, we actually entered my first M3, uh, June 26th of 15, which I put the date, which I thought it was interesting, because that was actually the week that the Russell peaked. Uh, it hit 1296 that week, actually. So it was... Right, you, you picked a great time to go live there. <laughs> yeah, it was actually funny, because we entered on a Friday, and Monday I actually flew in the morning, and that afternoon I got to the hotel, Ready to look at my M3 and see how it was just that it had a perfectly flat T plus zero line. It was just it was the the textbook entry. I mean, it was just had this perfectly flat line, and the Russell was down 30 points on my first day of trading. <laughs> and I, I had to do I, I had to do a full rollback of my position, and I mean it was just but so it, it's been downhill in the market ever since. Uh, but it's been a great uh, great experience. Uh, you know, it, it's been a difficult market, but it's been great. Hey Travis, you may, I think it might be interesting for people to understand the when you were doing, you know, where were you for many hours while you were doing back trading? I always thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, you know, one of the, uh, Dave was kind of surprised because he kind of told me, okay, this is going to take you a while. And uh, the the when I was, I happened to have a have a really good schedule for doing this, and uh, a lot of uh, at UPS, a lot of our we don't fly as many hours as the passenger carriers because just the nature of our business. Uh, it's more odd hours, but a lot of what I do is flying commercially on airplanes to go. They might send me from, I live in Louisville, and they might send me to LA to pick up an airplane, and they'll fly me there commercially. And so I have a, I had booked a lot, I had a lot of those commercial deadhead flights on my schedule. So I literally did, probably half my back testing was done sitting on an airplane going to and from the West Coast or going to work. Uh, and so that was a really valuable thing for me because time is my time is my critical element in this whole process because it's, uh, you know, my, my wife and I both work. We've got two little kids. And uh, uh, so, yeah, it was, it was interesting because people were, I was getting some funny looks of people sitting next to me like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> you know? But uh, so, yeah, that was, it was a good process. And uh, that was one of the other things I liked about this is that I've been able to, I've done almost all of my learning of this on the road while I'm at work, um, on layovers and on commercial deadheads, uh, and it's allowed me to, you know, focus on spending time with my kids when I'm at home, but really getting into it when I'm on the road, and uh, it's it's been a good process of kind of mixing my time uh, and using it well. So, I, I think the same thing. I think the same thing, Travis. Just to uh, point out another example, you know, everybody I think finds their time. To be able to go in and learn, uh, you had an excellent way to do it while you were, you know, on your way to work, so to so to speak. Um, another way is that you know I know when my daughter was training uh, and doing back testing, you know, she's a night owl, so you know it was like she did her most effective trading probably from you know eleven o'clock at night till the wee hours in the morning because it was quiet and there was nothing bothering her, and and that that was her time, you know. So I think everybody, you know, finds their time. You know, to to do this, um, but I guess the key thing is you got to do it, and you have to find your time because I think what helped with you, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, 
the first day that you put on that live trade on June 26th of last year, you had, because of the back testing that you had done, in the first day when you got off the plane and you saw the market down 30 points, I don't think you were freaking out. You just knew exactly what to do. Exactly, yeah, and that was that was a huge confidence builder. Uh, like, a, you know, there was uh, really my, my biggest issues when I started on those first on that first day was not I knew exactly what I was going to do. Uh, the biggest problem I had was because I was so new, execution and toss just you know especially that was you know you know the mark when the market's moving and all of a sudden you know the when the bid ask is all over the place I had not seen that so that was the most difficult part for me but I didn't have to worry about what do I do do I not do this or that and I said no I need to roll my position back to stay safe and uh, so that 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 made it much easier to not have to be concerned about that aspect of it but and I think the, and I think the other thing is that you didn't you know even though it turned out to be that was the peak of the market you know and, and as probably John would look at it from a technical analysis saying boy not a great time to put a trade on um, you know maybe great for a bearish butterfly but you know but we also weren't worrying about that because we knew through the back trading that over time this trade works you know you yeah. just have to you just have to do it yeah and uh, and in fact that trade uh, you know the market I saw some pretty good uh, movement in that market and um, it was a, it, I, that first trade was a winner um, you know it was I think I made about two thousand dollars on that first trade um, and it was that was very satisfying and I felt really good um, and and actually it was kind of it was during that first trade uh, I think it was June of that year that I had seen John do a webinar on the capital efficient trade and Dave and I we had talked about the capital efficient and that was something that really resonated with me um, kind of just as we just, I kind of talked about my market view and I do think that there is a lot of risk so much somewhat hidden in the market because we seem to be I think we're suppressing some of volatility and so I take very seriously when John talks about the money you have at risk is not your max loss but all the money you have in the market um, that's that money is at risk and so I really like the idea of uh, using whatever capital I have in the market most efficiently, um, and so Dave and I we we, you know, we talked about the pros and cons of uh, going capital efficient, and uh, I really I, you know it was going to be a lot. It added certainly some complexity, but I like the fact that I could limit my exposure, and also I like the fact that it made it a little bit more scalable, um, rather than trading a fifty thousand dollar ten lot M three. Um, Dave, kind of per Dave's suggestion, I back tested um, a adding about uh, five thousand dollars to a ten lot, and so basically I, I kind of used the strategy of thirty thousand dollars of planned capital for a ten lot M three butterfly, and uh, I went to that starting in August actually, and so I actually was able to reduce my planned capital from fifty thousand to thirty thousand. And of course, in August, as most of, of everyone here probably remembers, was uh, when we got the big drop on August 24th. And uh, I took a, I, I exited that the next day uh, for a loss, but I exited for a, a very manageable loss. I, I was down about five percent, I believe. So um, I never, I did not exceed my max loss, but it was the market was certainly doing things I wasn't comfortable with. So I felt pretty good with. Uh, yeah, doing that in your second month of trading can be um, concerning. Yeah, yeah, and it, it was. I mean, 
I, I, I remember looking at uh, seeing the futures that I uh, that Sunday night, and you know, to me, it was no question that okay, the, the market is clearly doing something that I'm not ready to to, to participate in. So, uh, fortunately, the, the next day I was available kind of throughout the day, and I and I watched it, and I was I was comfortable with how I handled it. I, I let the I let you know, John, you gave a great uh, webinar that morning, just talking about hey, let things settle down. You know, wait for things to kind of get under control, and then do what you need to do. And I was able to exit kind of middle of the day. wasn't quite probably the perfect ideal spot, but it was within an hour or so of probably the peak of the value of my position. And uh, I exited for a manageable loss, and I was very I was very comfortable with that. So um, it was, if nothing else, it was a good lesson in seeing what the market can truly do when kind of things get out of hand a little bit. So, um, and really d during that time. Um, in August of 15, um, Dave and I talked about I wanted to kind of get into the bear spotter fly just because I, I said, you know, look, we've been in this bull market for quite a while. I want to have something else I can trade uh, if the market does get choppy and, and uh, a little more volatile. And so in August, uh, I started trading the bear spotter. Uh, I, I went through the bear spotter fly course and back tested again the kind of the same process of back testing. And, um, I think October of 15 expiration was the first bearish butterfly trade I did. And uh, that was a great trade through the fall of 2015. It, uh, I did very well with that uh, and uh, over that over that over uh, the course of the fall there. Um, kind of through this whole time, Dave and I continued to work together. And I wanted, our, our last mentoring session we did, it's probably been a couple months ago now, but uh, Dave made an interesting comment how they have evolved. Um, you know, the first mentoring sessions were all about very, you know, technical aspects of how do you do this or what should I do here. And our last mentoring session, we never even shared the screens. We just, it was purely a more, a lot of psychology, a lot of just thinking about how to deal with different aspects. And uh, so I, I think it was kind of a, Dave kind of pointed it out to me, and I, I thought that was kind of a neat way to see how we've, uh, the process has come along over the last year, I guess. So... Uh, and I guess sort of the last thing I did uh, as far as, you know, changes to my trading was in March, uh, I kind of going with this idea of using my capital most efficiently, um, I started implementing the weekly calls. And, uh, you know, again, it adds a little complexity, but I like the fact that I could trade more, you know, more capital efficient, I guess you could say, and reducing some of that downside risk. Um, and so I went through quite a bit of back testing on that, and uh, I liked the results I got, and so I decided to go ahead and do that. So I've been uh, doing that ever since. And uh, here's just yeah, kind of this. I'm sorry, go ahead, Dave. Yeah, just to point out, uh, <laughs> I think it's kind of interesting. I'm sure people have, are, you know, are probably picking up on this. Um, you know, there's a there's a common theme running through a lot of your the process that you were that you've used and continue to use is. You know, if you notice, even going back to the the you know the the the, uh, the slide that you just had up there, when you when you go through you know your initial M3, um, you know back testing, and then it's like okay, well, I want to do something a little bit different. Okay, so the capital efficient. Okay, so what did you, what's the first thing you did? I repeated the back testing, and I was like, okay, so now I'm going to be do something a little different. Bearish butterfly. What'd you do? I did the back testing to get comfortable. And as time went on, I was like, oh, what's this about weekly calls? Well, before you did it, what'd you do? Did back testing to be comfortable with it, to get, you know, and it's this, this common theme, which, you know, I think is what, you know, we, 
we talked about a lot during our sessions, but it was, you know, you were so, so acceptable in doing it and willing, very, very willing to do the work that I think, you know, it's kudos to you that, and I think for anybody that actually wants to put the work in and do the, you know, do it, um, it's, it's, you know, it, it can only help. And, and, and not just learning the system and like you were saying at the beginning, learning the, the actual, you know, mechanics. It evolved over time where, like you said, the last session or two that we've had, um, you know, we were just chatting like we're doing right now and, and not even sharing a, a screen. And I think that, you know, it, it, I can only, uh, you know, I can reflect on other people that I've had the chance of mentoring and, and before you, it was only people that I'd done within my family. And I know, for instance, with my son and my daughter, the first two months that they put on their live trades, because, you know, technical analysis in our family doesn't seem to do, we don't seem to know it that well. Um, you know, the first two months that they both each put their first trades on, they both had max loss. Mm -hmm. and, and I'll always remember the, you know, the discussion with my son and my wife at the dinner table, like the night that he took his trade off and, you know, my wife was just saying, oh my gosh, what have we got him into? He's so young and this is terrible and blah, blah, blah. And, 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 and my son basically looked at me and says, Dad, when do we put the next trade on? And, 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 you know, and my wife was just like astounded. And, and she was like, well, how can you feel that confident? And he says, well, it's because I did this back trading for like 10 or 20 years. He says, I know this is going to happen. And I was like, oh. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's just one of those things that, you know, this, you know, you know, I've seen it time and time again with others that haven't become comfortable but then you ask them, okay, well, what kind of work have you put in? Well, you know, I, I, I tried it live and it didn't work. And then the next month I tried a different trade. And, <laughs> right, you know, that's so, typical. Yeah, it's just yeah. so typical. It's just so typical. But anyway, I just wanted to, I wanted to point out if it wasn't so, so incredibly evident, you know, the common theme running through how, you know, what you were doing. So. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, that's one thing I try to be very aware of is because uh, I'm so inexperienced, I've got to stick with what I what is in my wheelhouse, and um, you know. And as John said before, he's developed some systems that you know that that work, and there's a lot of other systems that work out there, and, and I recognize that. But um, I can't learn everything there is to do, and I've got to understand that these are this is what I know, and so I've got to stick to my process and what I know, and um, you know. Unfortunately, it's I, I haven't had much desire to veer off. You know, into other things too much because I, I see that, you know, the tools that I'm developing, I should be able to modify what I'm doing here to anything I need to do, you know, as far as market neutral trading. And so, you know, and like earlier this year, we had some rough rough times, but I was I looked that I used that time when we when I was struggling to kind of look through my back testing results and say, yeah, you know what? There's been other times where it's been really tough, and you just got to just have the faith. And make you know, and again, that's when you kind of reevaluate: am I position size correctly? And I made sure that I was comfortable with the money I had in the market, so that I'm not concerned so much about the money. And that you know, okay, yes, I, I'm sized okay that I can withstand you know a, a rough patch here. And you know, now I've I kind of I sat through that, and you know, now that the spring has progressed, um, I've really bounced back as far as my results, and I've kind of recovered from my drawdown I had earlier this year. So it's uh, it's been good. And that's a tremendous accomplishment for somebody new newer in trading to 
actually go through a rough patch and stick with it. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's actually it, kind of rare. <laughs> one thing, and I realized this morning actually, or actually last night, that I didn't put, and I wanted to put on there because it was one of the first questions I I thought of when I was learning was, what's a realistic goal for, you know, what kind of profit should I expect, or what, what's I, you know, it's hard to because you can back test, but it, it sure is a lot different when you get into real trading. And um, I wanted to just tell people, I mean, I of all my trades so far since I started. I've averaged about one and a half percent profit in my first year per trade. Um, so, not what I want to. Uh, you know, I, I was my goals were much higher, and they still are. But um, I, I feel pretty good o overall about it because I'm like I've learned so much in this last year, and I, I I've seen some of the some of the trades the market's taken me out, and others I've taken myself out. Um, but I think I've learned I'm learning from where I've gone wrong and. And understood that there's times when I'm just going to get, you know, I'm going to get taken out. But you know, January this year, I got taken out the first year, like a lot of people did. Um, and so, I, you know, I, I want to just put that out there so people kind of know here, here's what this is what I've done. Fortunately for me, um, my bigger winners have been on larger trades, and my losers have been on slightly smaller trades. A lot of them. So uh, my P and L is actually, you know, a little bit better than that. But uh, that's been just my percentage average uh, through the trading. So, um, the the current M3 I'm using, um, I two I trade two different M3s a month. One's in a traditional taxable trading account, and the other's in my in a Roth IRA. Um, I use twenty five thousand plan capital per ten lot butterflies. Um, if there's higher volatility, then I will increase the plan capital accordingly based on how many butterflies I have on. Um, I typically enter thirty five to fifty days uh, prior to expiration. And I usually exit. I, I exit on my Roth about 14 days, uh, no later than 14 days, and no later than seven on my taxable trading account. Um, I like having those trades staggered just so I have a little bit of time diversification. And also, I I, I want to trade the Roth a little bit more conservative. Just it, it's it is a retirement account, and uh, you know I, I try to protect that capital a little bit more than the trading account. Uh, I use 10% as a profit target and max loss. Um, in back trading, a the capital efficient trade with, especially with you know capital efficient with weekly calls, the trade is is capable of making pretty pretty impressive returns. But um, I'm kind of at the stage where until I can consistently prove that I can make over 10%, uh, you know, on a good month, then I, I'm trying to take my trades off at 10. I've had a, I've had a couple 10% uh, winners. And, I, and I, they've looked. The trades have looked good at that point, but I've just gone ahead and exited because I want. I want to get consistent at that level before I start bumping up and trying to take it a little further. Uh, Great. Yeah, that, that's a that's an awesome idea. So you've been you've been at this. You've done well since mid last year, and you're already up into the capital efficient weekly call <laughs> with the yeah, M3. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's and you know one one of the. I, it's, it can be a problem, but I mean, one of the interesting things with the capital efficient is when you're trying to control the capital and the market's really moving a lot. I, I you know, you you quickly exit from the standard M3 structure. I found um, lots of times, or at least I have, and so yep. uh, that that's been something you know that I, I've I, I've always made sure I'm comfortable. I've been comfortable with, and I've been in some positions where it is it looks similar to some of the trades that you do that are options everywhere and I try to keep it as simple as possible uh, because it just makes it easier for me to manage when I'm on a time crunch um, but I, I 
you know, I spend a lot of time every night, and I'll kind of go through this. Uh, I can just go ahead to the next slide. This is just some of the lessons that I've learned that have helped me. Um, getting in a routine is huge. We got um, a couple of comments, Travis. I'm just going to sure. just yeah, uh, go ahead. just mention them. One says, as a pilot, your personality makeup requires you to have control over your, over your trading, as opposed to using trading alerts. That is true. I that's, agree. A, that's a comment. All right, and I have another comment on that too. Is it's, it's not good for anybody who wants to be a full-time trader or developing to a trader to use trading alerts. It's uh, it's detrimental to your. And we're going to go over that a lot in the trading triangle program of why that may be the case. But it's detrimental sure. to you. It has some short-term benefits, but long-term, it's it's not good for you. And the other comment we have is all back testing started in 2008. Is that because data before 2008 is not good in option view, or because that was representative that, that, enough. That's correct. I've traded, I have back tested some other time periods, but I had so much data issues in, in the back trading. Um, I don't have full results on those. Um, and I, I'm okay kind of in some ways because the, I like 2008 to present day. We've seen everything from very high to very low volatility. So I, I to me, that's a, it's a pretty good representative uh, of, you know, the different market type environments. And I have back tested other periods, but I've had a lot of issues with data and option views that it's made that more difficult uh, to get good uh, back testing results. So. Yeah, since 2008, we've had a lot of varying market conditions too. We've had flat markets. We've had some of the biggest crashes we've ever seen in history, the biggest movements we've seen in history. We've had record low volatility, record low rallies, uh, record uh, rallies. So it's it's uh, it's it's quite it's pretty diverse in that time frame. I think it's a, yeah. I mean, and and. What I found was interesting was the the toughest one to me was like trying to get through 2013 was that was that was brutal. So <laughs> um, you know with that low volatility, uh, so it was. Uh, but the, yeah, so that, that's kind of why I focused on the 20 2008 and later. So nice. But, okay, that's all we have. Okay. Um, yeah. So I talked about the routine. Just you know, I, I tried to get very systematic. Of you know, I do the same thing every night. Um, I have a little legal pad that every night I take all the trades I'm in and I list what my adjustments are in an up and down move. And I also note on there, okay, this adjustment gives me this change in my delta. Um, and so for me, particularly if I'm flying and there's many days where I have, I might have 20, 30 minutes to do my adjustments and that's it. Um, and so I've got to have everything organized. and. So for me, I found that being in a routine, you know, it, even if I'm time crunched on my adjustments, at least I'm going through the exact same process as when I have, you know, a, a free afternoon where I, have, I can adjust at leisure. You know, it's not a big deal. But uh, that that to me has been very helpful in uh, getting my my habit pattern down and also kind of preventing errors. You know, I always I read the order the same way every time, and so I and I verify that I'm get the correct strikes in the correct account and uh, you know so I've, I've kind of got a, a system now that kind of keeps me out of trouble with that. Um, the other issue you know kind of related to my schedule is I have to trade not necessarily always at the optimal time. Um, there's times when I have to fly uh, and I have to do my adjustments at 11 a.m. Other times I'm doing them at 3 in the afternoon. Um, there are days where I'm going to have very little time to trade and so I may make an adjustment the day prior that isn't necessary or optimal, but it's going to keep me from being in a dangerous situation 
on a day when I have no time to adjust it. Um, so, um, and and that's you know there's pluses and minuses to that, but that's just something I, I try to. Um, you know, next week is a, is a great example. Uh, Monday afternoon, I'll, I'll be free all afternoon, but Tuesday I'm going to be very busy uh, flying. So I'll try to set, be set up on Monday so that I'm not going to be, you know, right on the edge of possibly having to do a roll or something like that with minimal time to do it. So, right. So I think uh, just, as a, just, as a, just as a note here, you know, I'm, I'm looking through the list here and, um, you know, I'm thinking of, because of what you're doing being a pilot, you know, there's a, you know, regardless of, you know, what we may have talked about, Travis or, or whatever, you know, your your job is forcing you to do these things. And the, the neat thing is that you've been able to take it, embrace it, and, you know, develop your your system of doing things. And, and, it's, and you're serious about it. And you, every night you're doing it and you're making those adjustments. And so, by by virtue of I think when sometimes if you're let's say you're retired and or you're you're doing this and you ha you can sit in front of the computer all day even though if you don't really have to I think many people get lazy because all of these things that you're preparing the night before people will just say well you know I can just kind of do that because I'm here so I can just kind of do it but because of your job it's it's and because of you've taken such a, a great interest in it you're making yourself into such a even a better trader because you're you have to do all this stuff because if you don't you're you're in you know deep yogurt uh, because when if, if uh, the market turns and you don't have all this stuff done you know you, you know people are not going to be saying well sorry uh, you know the plane's a little uh, or the the, the car, you know I guess it's not the people on the plane that are complaining but uh, you know, yeah, the boxes don't complain too much. Either. Yeah, the boxes don't. The boxes <laughs> aren't complaining, but I'm sure there's other people that will be complaining. That if you say, "Well, you know, I'm going to be about an hour late because I, I haven't finished quite doing my adjustments yet," um, you know, that's just not. It's just not possible. So yeah. you, so you, you've been forced to do it because of your job, and but you've taken on the assignment, and you're doing it with you know with with ease because guess what? When you do it every day, it becomes just a habit. Yeah, and, and I, I think, uh, you know, I was watching the enriching session John did on uh, the second enriching on back testing, and I kind of feel I get some of that, you know, John talked about the great experience in doing uh, really thorough tra uh, trade debriefs, which I try to do, but, you know, kind of retrading your trades over and over. Well, I found that by pre-planning my moves, you know, and if I have, if I'm near a, a roll point, um, I actually... You know, I, I make sure I, I roll my position so that I'm always within my delta limits. You know, Dave, you always emphasize that make sure that you're always in a position so that, you know, if you lose internet, you know, power goes down, the, you know, the world stops, whatever, that your, your trade is not in a, in a vulnerable, dangerous position. And uh, so by kind of planning out all those moves the night before, even when I don't do them, I feel like I've kind of gained additional knowledge and experience because there's times where it, it's very challenging to say how do I move this from here to here in a delta safe manner, you know, and that's been, even when I don't have to do it, it's really nice to kind of have the understanding ahead of time so that when, it times, when it's time to do it, I've already got it, everything loaded in toss, um, I have my game plan ready to go, I just have to execute it if the market dictates, um, you know, and that's been helpful to me, I think. So, um, one of the other things I thought too was, uh, you know, kind of 
get into the, the mindset issue is I found I, I kind of made a really solid emphasis on stopping. For a long time, I was in this, boy, I hope the market balances today. Oh, man, if the market would just pull back, you know, and I tried to get out of that, and now I try to look very unemotionally, and, and this process helps me with, I can't, I can't worry about what the market's going to do. All I can do is have my plan. No matter what happens, I have a plan to, to you know, some are going to be more optimal than others, but I have a plan that to, to follow through with it. No matter what the market does, I've got, I'm ready to go. And so that, that's been kind of helpful to kind of take the emotion out of it by kind of focusing you know, your mind that way. But I think what also helps is that the trade is so is so flexible. Oh, sure. That that even if you don't have the perfect, like you said. Sometimes you have to do the adjustments at 11 a.m. Sometimes it's at 3 o'clock. You know, you do it based upon your your just your you know pure availability, and your sure. availability might be like you said, might be 15 minutes or a half hour. And sometimes sure. if it's just a quick check, that's yeah. plenty. But if you're going to do an adjustment, boy, if you don't have those other orders in toss, or like you're saying, have your orders in your in your uh, in your phone to be able to just do something really quick, um, you know, those are just great aids to be able to accomplish what you need to do in that short period of time. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, you know, and I, and I have had to do that. I, I think uh, it was David Heinzen that had said in one of these, on his webinar, that he uh, puts orders in at prices that won't fill so he can check on his phone. And I've actually had to do that a couple times on very brief breaks in between flights for the only time I had to adjust my position. And I knew ahead of time, hey, if the market's here, I'm going to sell this many verticals. If it's here, I'm going to sell this many. And um, I've had to do that in a you know in a 10-minute window, uh, and, and and you don't worry about it. You just did it. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of had. I knew in my mind, here's what's going to happen. I, I didn't even have my my option view out. I just said, look, if the market gets to this point, I'm doing this, and that's what it's going to be. And so it, it kind of makes it less stressful if you just have your plan and you and you follow through with it. And um, um, and that was one of the other kind of things I want to talk about was like letting the trade breathe was something that's Still, I'm still trying to get better at. And initially, I was so afraid to lose any profit I had in the trade. I was always flattening that T plus zero line and not just letting it, you know, let the market move around a little bit. Especially in a market like we have right now, where it's just chopping back and forth. Um, I'm actually very happy with. I've been sitting on my hands because you know my trade's gotten a couple close to a couple adjustments, but it hasn't hit it. And so, um, you know, and I think the thing that's really allowed me to get okay with that is. I've taken I've taken max losses on my M3 and my bearish butterfly, and I've hit profit target on those trades too. And it's okay. And I've just got to I've just got to let the systems work and not stress about any one day or any one trade. Even you know, I'm, my goal is to do this over the long term, not just today and tomorrow. So, um, just kind of closing out, just where I want to go from here. I'm this. Kind of this year, my, my really my big focus is just getting more consistent with both the M3 and the Bearish Butterfly, really focusing on the process that I'm following instead of worrying about the results I get. I think if I, you know John's talked a lot about this, and um, I you know I'm, I'm very convinced that if I get my process solid, that the results will come. And uh, just I, I really going through this and and kind of looking over my trades of what I wanted to kind of talk about today. Um, I, I've found that I really do need to improve my Get more detailed in my trade planning, and also on my my journal. There were some looking at some trades. Uh, there were some already some times where I, I couldn't determine why exactly I did a certain move, and so I've got to get better at uh, journaling those things. 
Um, I am trying to get better. Uh, I really want to get into the M21 eventually, and kind of like you have to back test on your own. Uh, if I'm going to try to use market, you know, technical analysis, um, I really want to have solid technical analysis skills. So I've been doing a lot of reading and a lot of uh, learning and attempting to kind of, you know, see kind of look at the markets, uh, you know, through a technical analysis lens, and uh, that's something I've been working on. Um, it's also helped me, I think, too, from uh, rather than worrying about what my trade's doing that day, I've found, you know, I'm watching all the markets, not necessarily just what's the Russell doing, but hey, what what are bonds doing today? What what's the what's the SP doing? What's uh, you know, what's the dollar doing today? And I found I'm looking at the market more from a technical analysis aspect of trying to see what it's telling me, and not focus on what is my delta right now in my trade. Uh, it's kind of let me not focus on my trade during the day if I, if I want to look at the market and only look at that trade during, you know, when it's adjustment time. Um, and obviously I'm, I'm really excited to get to Hawaii next month. Uh, I'm really can't wait to get to meet everybody and take, take part in the Trading Triangle Live. Um, long term I'm looking to learn, I want to learn the rock and eventually get into the M21, you know, and, and, still, and continue to kind of increase my size as I get better as a trader and my portfolio allows it. Um, I put up here just also my asset allocation. This is not exact, um, but it is roughly where I'm at, um, uh, where, I'll, where I'll be probably by the end of the year. Um, one note I wanted to put on there too, my 20% I have allocated options. I personally only trade about 50 to 60% of my account. Um, I kind of look at it as like self-insuring my account. Um, you know, if I ever took a you know, complete, if a 1987 sale event had happened where I lost everything I had, I've got the money to uh, continue trading options, and the overall effect on my portfolio would not be devastating either. And so to me, that was uh, something I wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, I, I have the ability to participate in some good returns on the upside, but not to the point where I'm going to really devastate myself mentally or financially if, uh, uh, if, if I do take a really large loss someday. So... Uh, that's about all I had of the presentation. If you guys want, I can, I can, I did have a couple examples of a, some, some, I had one real, a, a good gotcha moment where, uh, you know, I, I can show on a trade or we can wrap it up here, whatever you want. Um, I think we, I wanted to, to take 15 minutes or so, Travis, you think? Yeah, or? yeah, that's, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. yeah, we can take 15 minutes and, and maybe okay. look at yeah. a quick trade. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, so I'll show you uh, this is uh, my, so this is the beginning of the year. I'll just go to the price chart here. Uh, can you guys see the, the price chart okay? It's, uh, yes. 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 Okay. Um, January 5. We know how that's going to turn out. Yes. I think you guys are enjoying this. Uh, trying to figure out how to collapse this little, there we go. There we go. Okay. Um, yeah, so I think you all know, January 4th here, I took a max loss on my January M3, like I think some other people did. Um, and you know that that one that left a little bit of a, of a of an imprint, and you know I think it was more it bruised my ego more than anything else. You know I thought I was I had done I was pretty I thought it was going well like I was really happy with my results at that point, and that happened. And I said you know what I kind of blame myself for I said you know I should have been more protective of the downside, and so that was kind of my mindset going in. I uh, I just threw this up there. This is my entry. I entered the next day. Um, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't want to like just wait around, not sure what to do. So I went ahead and exited the next day, entered the next day. Uh, the first tranche of, I ended up doing uh, two tranches on an M3. 
Um, and it, this this was going to be because of the increased volatility. I ended up with uh, 25 butterflies and two calls. And I just was going to skip to uh, January 19th and show you. So this is the end of the day on the 19th, and the market has come down over 100 points in two weeks. And my position is down about $2,700, and it's mostly from the volatility. Uh, you know, I, I felt I handled the, the down. Uh, the, the position's a little odd here. Um, I was almost, because the market was coming down so fast, I actually kind of leapfrogged. I had rolled half my position back, and the next day the market came down again, so I had actually rolled it back even further. So it's kind of an odd position, but overall I was comfortable with where my key plus zero line is here. And uh, so that was the 19th. The 20th um, was an interesting day. I flew from uh, that morning. I flew from Philadelphia to Louisville, and I landed um, in Louisville the next morning at 10.30 was when I kind of, I, I came inside our operations and I pulled out my laptop just to take a look. Um, and at this day, I had about, uh, I had about five to six, I think I had a six-hour break in the middle of the day, which was kind of a strange day for me. And I came in and I pulled an option view, and I, well, I guess at this point the market's down 26 an hour into trading. I'm looking at this, and I haven't exceeded my max delta. I was I, in real trading. I was actually it was actually right up to about 100 plus 100, which is what was my maximum. But I just remember looking at this abyss, and I just lost, taken this big loss to the downside. I wasn't aggressive enough in adjusting down. And I, you know, I tell myself, no, I'm not waiting to the end of the day. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna be a smart guy today, and I'm gonna go ahead and I, what I did was I rolled these 990s all the way back to 910. And so I did the adjustment. I actually went home, played with my kids for a little bit, and came back at the end of the day. I had to go fly again that afternoon. And so about 3:30, I said, well, let's see how I'm how I'm doing. And I really hadn't looked at the market. I, I just I turned everything off. And we went down from down 26 to up 14. This was the big bounce day. And here's where I sit now. <laughs> so I had completely, uh, it was insane how I could not have done it at a worse time, that adjustment. I pretty much timed the bottom. Um, and what I thought was really interesting, this adjustment, now I've gone uh, positive vega. So now I'm, I've completely missed the upside. But if I would have taken away what I did that day, <laughs> And I look at this, this is where I would have been. Just absolutely nothing to do. Perfect. And this was the day where, I mean, John, you've said it over and over. Don't the interday adjust. Don't worry about what the interday movement is. And I understood it, and I listened. And this was the day that I, I didn't listen, and that was the day I should have. And it's, it's a little different knowing it and having your emotions evolved with it. Absolutely. Well, and you know, there's just some things that you've got to experience to really let it sink in. And and this was my aha moment. And uh, one interesting thing I'd note was uh, the difference uh, of between the two. It was about a $2,400 hit that adjustment. Um, and at the end of this trade, I I, uh, I ended up being down about 50. I was down. $5,300 on a $6,500 max loss, and uh, I continued with this trade, and I exited down $1,900. So, 
So that adjustment meant what would have been a really tough trade. I could I should have exited for a small gain, and instead I took a you know I, t I took a three percent loss. It wasn't devastating, but um, it was actually a great lesson though because I have really since then I have completely uh, you know really tuned out what my trades during the day, and I and really I'm glad it didn't work because quite frankly even if it had worked that I think that would have been awful because. With my job, I cannot get in a position where I'm even attempting to trade intraday because, you know, most of the time it's not uncommon for me to literally be in the air until two in the afternoon, where I don't even have it's not even possible for me to look at my trade. So this one I thought was just a really good thing for me to go through because it's uh, it really has made me focus more on how my mindset and how I'm you know how that affects what I'm doing and. Uh, you know, I, I was truly the weakest link of uh, of this trade, and I, I cost myself uh, a loss there. So, uh. I think that attitude is fantastic. The attitude of learning and realizing that you and you're right. If if this had gone well for you, and the adjustment had gone well, you're essentially training yourself to do something that's not beneficial for you. And, uh, and holding it, having the, having that growth mindset is going to benefit you very well going forward in trading. It's just, it's outstanding. That's all I can say by, about by it. By the way, you mentioned I wanted to say thanks, and uh, I've read the book uh, Mindset on your reading list, and I recommend it too. It's, it's uh, uh, you know, it, and it's nothing. A lot of things that are discussed are not earth shattering, but if you really think about how it applies, not just to trading, but to everything, it. Uh, I, it really, to me, it really hit home, and it was uh, it was about that time actually after this that I, I read that book, and uh, it was a good way to, you know, just say, okay, I made a mistake, I, you know, I, I'm okay with making the mistake once. If I do it again, that's when I've got a big problem with it, you know. So, uh, right. I mean, you have to be aware too. The market could have just as easily kept going; it could have stayed sure. down there. But the reality is, if you're always just, most of the time it doesn't. Most of the time, you'll have an opportunity to make your adjustment or, or exit. And uh, if you're always hitting those intraday highs, you're going to be losing a lot more trades than you than than you need to. Yeah, and I think that it, it made me take the step back, and that's when I really took the step back and say, you know, what was my fear there? And my fear was I didn't want to lose two trades in a row. That was really my fear. I didn't want to say no. I I, I don't want to lose two in a row. And I kind of took the step back and said, no. Look, I've I've tested this through a lot of environments, and I've got to let. I've got to let the process work over time. If I go through a rough patch, then I go through the rough patch. But I can I can trade such that I'm going to make it to the point where we recover. And uh, so that's kind of where I, you know, so it, it's been good. It was it was really a good learning experience that one. Um, that's fantastic. And that's when we talk about emotional carryover, and we have both emotional carryover both from winning trades and losing trades. If you get on a winning streak, you feel invincible because of your recent past. Sure. Uh, you do foolish things. Same thing yeah. here. Because you lost a trade, now you're going to trade your next trade extra conservatively, and you can't do that. You can't do that in a choppy market. You can't. Yeah. You're just, you're just going to get hammered. Yeah. So, so, nice. so yeah. So I just thought that was a for me that was a big moment. Um, and I, the the next example I want to show real quick was uh, here we are in uh, March 7th of this year where. This is after we've had this massive bounce. Um, you know, the Russell's now up 150 points. Um, you know, I mean, I'm there. I remember this because there was pretty solid uh, resistance at 1,100. So I'm thinking, okay, the market's peaked. 
and uh, this is my April trade. My March M3 was, I was just stretched. I was just trying to keep up with this huge bounce. I was drawn down about 2%, um, and I was in my last week before I had to exit on that Friday, and it was Monday. Here's the 7th. I had, you know, per my guidelines, I had to be out of the trade that Friday, and I was really just stretched. Like, it was to the point where I was going to have to have a really large pullback just to get, you know, any kind of possibility of profit. And I kind of thought to my, I remember, you, John, you always say, you know, always make sure you're looking out to the next month because it might be better to take that small loss and move on to the next month, and you might have a much better position. And so I kind of looked at uh, the April trade, and I said, well, I like the, the look of this better. So I exited my, my March trade, and I went into an April, but I made a modification, which I'll talk about, you know, the, the effects of it, but... Um, I made it. I entered a two-lot M3, but I really my concern with entering this M3 was okay. I think the market's topped out. I have a bearish butterfly on already, um, but I don't. I don't want to take. I don't want to enter this M3, have the market come crashing down, then be fighting this thing to the downside again. And so what I did was I entered this with only one call instead of two. So now I basically transferred my risk to the upside. And I basically came in with the plan of if the rut stays below 1100, um, I'm just going to trade this per my normal delta guidelines. And if I need to make an upside adjustment, I will add the second call if it exceeds my maximum delta. Um, and so that was kind of my my guide my my plan going into this. And uh, that was the entry. And then I go to the 15th at. Uh, At 12:30 on the 15th, and uh, the trade's up $4,500. Um, the market, the Russell did pull back. Now we're down at 11.68. Uh, it's looking pretty nice. So I went ahead and exited half my position there. And the very next day uh, was the 20th, and at uh, I'm sorry, the 16th, and at 12:30 on the 16th. I'm at uh, I'm over my max my profit target of five thousand dollars, and and so this worked out. I I actually was I liked the position here. I thought about staying in, but I said no. I'm over my profit target. I'm going to take the a solid ten percent winner and, and move on, and that was great. I, I I was glad I made the, the decision to exit rather than try to say oh I can make more because the market really did take off from there, and I back-tested after that. It would have been, I, I, I would have done okay that month, but it, I would have fought it the whole month just to get back to where I was on this date. But the point I, I wanted to show this for was kind of what you've been talking about, John, about the trade debrief, you know, trade debriefing and back-testing what you did. And uh, I said, okay, what if I would have gone in on the exact same entry, and I just entered per the guidelines, and I just did a normal M3? Because when this I always, this is always the acid test. Yes, and, and, and you know, because after I did this trade, I'm thinking, oh man, I mean, boy, I I was slick there. I mean, look at look at how awesome that is, and I, you know, I must be on to something <laughs> really special. And so, and, and and it was about a it was about two weeks later before I, I was really busy, and I finally had time to kind of sit down and, and I started back trading this this. I usually try to do it right away, and I just I was so slammed, I just didn't have time. And, 
two weeks later, I go back and I back test this thing using just a hundred percent total and normal guidelines. And guess what? On this date, on this exact time, I was within one hundred dollars of the same profit. <laughs> so, but I wanted to point that out because had I not done that, I would have never known. I would have thought I did something unique here, when truly I just happened to enter at a good time, and the, the value of those options was released, and you know I, I made a good decision by by doing it. I, I learned some things about you know this was the first time I'd ever kind of modified this kind of M3, uh, so I learned some things that I didn't have planned for, and uh, but I just thought it was very appropriate to kind of what you've been talking about about the value of, of going through and retrading these things because uh, had I not done that, I would have thought I won this trade because, oh yeah, because I, I kind of did this bearish bias, whereas had I just traded the normal guidelines, I had the same result. And uh, so I, th that, I thought that was a really good... Yeah, uh, that's, well, that's why those trade debriefs are just so critically important because what ends up happening is you start gaining, you start building evidence for yourself while you're trading that you're making certain decisions that are either helping you or hurting you. And the reality is, is you don't know what you don't know, so you start depending on these these things that you think are true and they're not, right? So that's why this is just critically important. So you actually realize what is actually driving the, your results. Absolutely, yeah. And and I, and I mean, I, I think for me, the best the best thing I've gotten, the best lesson aside from you know, this specific example was, you know, in in retrading my trades. I have found the critical thing, I think the biggest difference between, um, another thing I didn't put in the thing which I do is every time I make an adjustment, I always compare what I got in toss versus what I executed in option view. So I can kind of track the trend I'm making on my execution versus option view. And I've improved that over time, but that is not, you know, I have found that it hasn't been that significant of a difference. Um, the true difference, I think, in between my back testing and my live trading has been me over trading and not giving the trade room to work, and so that's really my my emphasis right now was uh, just controlling risk and other than you know making adjustments to control you know downside risk, letting the trade work. And if I if I give up an unrealized gain, that's okay. Um, but I've got it. You know, if I want to make the higher returns, I've got to let the thing breathe a little bit. So that's kind of been a uh, a great benefit of kind of seeing that you know in hindsight. Yeah, that is fantastic, and I just I love your mindset and the work you're doing and putting in. It's it just it tells me that you're just going to be so awesome at this, and uh, and I'm really excited. And Dave's done an excellent job with uh, working with you. Yeah, I, I can't really I can't thank you guys enough. It's been uh, just a I because I, I really I I read I read a lot of books about trading, and everyone kind of said, well, you better prepare to lose your first couple of years and. You know, you're going to blow up your account and do all these things. And, um, you know, I, I, well, I, I really, I think I, I could have done better, and I, I think I'm confident I will. But I, I think you guys are, you're giving people the tools that, you know, if you want to put in the time, I think uh, you, what you guys have done, is, uh, it's been really great. I can't, I can't thank you enough. So. Well, a, quick, a quick comment, a quick comment here. I know, uh, and John, and this is more from a, a question for you, but, if you didn't know Travis and you didn't know when he started trading, and if he just came in today and started telling people about what he's been doing and, and his performance today and stuff like that, I think you'd probably listen to him saying, he's obviously been trading way more than a year. 
Yeah, it, like I was saying, I have people I met in 2006 that knew a whole lot more than you than a whole lot more than I than you know, and, the, and certainly more than I knew at the time, and they're still sitting there jumping from one trade to another, trying to follow people, stuff like that, and they're just not getting anywhere. And to see you come in here and do the work and have the persistence to stay with your conviction of what you know it's going to work, even through some adversity, and even the biggest part, even a bigger part of that is just coming in here and realizing your mistakes, coming in doing the work with the, the trade debriefing saying, oh, I thought that I thought that this decision was a good decision, and, and maybe it wasn't. So questioning yourself, I think that's just fantastic, and I, I can't say enough about that. And you, that's like somebody who's been at this for 10 years and has finally realized that, oh, yeah, I have to settle down and actually do this stuff. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been quite a process. So <laughs> it's, you know, but hopefully it's just beginning. So you know, it's, uh, I'm looking forward to but I think the other thing is, you know, you got to really want to do it. You know, you can't do it just because you want to make money. You know, I mean, I, I this is something right. I, I really, I, I enjoy the learning. I really enjoy the, the intellectual challenge of it. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a really enjoyable process. That's fantastic. I love to hear it. And thank you for putting in the work. Oh, thank you. Dave, you going to say something? Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, and and you know, obviously, Travis and I talk, you know, often and. It's just a, I always find it a, a an absolute pleasure uh, to 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 have worked with Travis over the past year, and uh, I guess when I initially when John and I initially talked about this, and I told him I said, well, I think I might have a really great candidate for this successful, you know, to 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 give the esteemed hat to, you know, the trader of the month thing, um, and I was like, wow, but he's kind of new, you know, and I said, well, you know, trust me, <laughs> there's more there than you than you than you know. And and I think and I think by virtue of I think what people have heard here this morning I think they get a pretty good pretty good perspective on that which uh, I'm just so proud of Travis and what he's done and you know and, and much of it has been on his own um, to be able to accomplish what he has so it's a real testament to someone really taking this to heart putting the time in and you know I think with you know with the combination of a little bit of guidance from from uh, you know from from John and, and from myself I think. You know, it's it's been a um, I think a great a great success success story so far, and I think it's going to continue. Well, thank you guys very much. It's uh, it's been uh, it's been it's been my pleasure to, to get to work with you guys. So thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you, and keep up the good work. I will. I will, and I'm looking forward to seeing you guys uh, next month. It's uh, I'm really excited. Yeah, Hawaii is going to be going to be a blast. I think uh, I'm sure you'll love it. And and yeah. Dave's got a nice presentation going on too. So awesome. Can't wait. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. And I guess we'll wrap it up. Uh, and we will be making some mini broadcasts from Hawaii and stuff, so make sure you look out for those on our Facebook page. And uh, have, uh, good luck trading, everyone, and we'll talk to you soon.